Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork alongside DLU, where we look back at K-State's 14-13 loss at the hands of the TCU Horned Frogs. Uh, a tough game uh, for K-State, a lot of missed opportunities as they drop one on the road to the Frogs, and uh, we'll look back uh, at that and get you ready for K-State's uh, game against KU on Saturday. Uh, but first, we'll, we'll look back at the, at the loss at the hands of the Frogs, and uh, I want to bring into the podcast a, a man that needs no introduction. He's the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, too hot to handle, too cold to hold. Women want him and men want to be him. I'm talking about my main man, D. Louie, here. D. Louie, how are we doing this fine day? Hello, Christopher. Uh, I'm having a great day. It's uh, daylight savings time is uh, impacting us, sure. and it's dark outside uh, much earlier, which is a tragedy. Um, another tragedy is K-State's performance on uh, this most recent Saturday against TCU. Uh, I feel bad for everybody that had to watch that game um, because it was a snoozer and very uh, tough to watch. A lot of mistakes by K-State, which led to our defeat. But uh, you know what? We got a big one this weekend. It's Dylan's season, baby. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully we can uh, squeak one out against KU. Yeah, and it's it's not going to be easy. Uh, a game that K State fans, uh, you myself included, uh, didn't pencil on, but pinned in as a as a win this season. Far from uh, a foregone conclusion as as we head into uh, this Saturday's contest. Yeah, it's uh, it's troubling times in uh, for the Wildcat faithful because you you know KU they're. Uh, they're a bad team. They just fired their coach, and uh, you know he's hanging on throughout the end of the season. So you think maybe KU, the football team, will try to go to bat for him, but uh, K State's not in much of a better position because we're in disarray, and we still have our head coach for the time being. And a, you know I can't think of a less inspired. Uh, period for K-State than we have right now. Just a tepid, ugly season with uh, now basically nothing to play for unless uh, you're of the mind that K-State can win out. But bull eligibility is looking less and less likely. And uh, now it's just uh, Dylan's. Yep. It's it's kind of a sad... State of affairs. It probably takes uh, some of the uh, older listeners back to their days of uh, the toilet bowl and and non-competitive football teams and bad football teams. Uh, but that's where that's the reality that we're here with um, right now. But before we get too far in uh, to looking at the KU game next week, uh, let's look back. We'll, we'll keep it brief uh, for our listeners' sake here. Uh, a 14-13 loss uh, to TCU. In a game that just was lacking excitement, and uh, but as you said, K State can point to a, a number of things uh, that led to uh, them losing this one uh, on the road to the Frogs. Uh, offense, of course, putting up 13 points is, and that's never going to be enough. It's not what you want. No, it's never going to be enough. And um, you know, Skylar Thompson leaves the game with an injury. Alex Dalton. Comes in, thought played, you know, okay, not great there. Uh, I'm looking here at the stats, 15 to 25. Had, did have a touchdown, uh, but had 23 rushes for 36 yards. Um, not the kind of uh, explosiveness you're looking uh, from him in the running game. Uh, K-State ran the ball okay with Alex Barnes, uh, 23 carries for 102 yards. Um, but they're pretty well balled up by what's a, a still a pretty solid TCU defense. Yeah, the, uh, the line on... Delton, uh, is that everybody seems to be saying, oh, he played a pretty good game. Uh, but that's just because the bar has been lowered so much uh, f- for this offense, and especially for him uh, this season, because in a game where, like you said, K-State puts up 13 points, he has a total of, you know, 36 yards on the ground and 
what do you have through the air? About 155 or something? Yeah, I believe that was I believe that was right. 155. Yeah, and so when your quarterback's putting up less than 190 yards of, of total yards, and you're saying, yeah, you played fine, that, uh, that says a lot uh, about the state of things. And I think the idea that he played a, a decent game comes from that he didn't have any insane turnover uh, that K-State fans have become accustomed to expect uh, out of Delton this year. And so pretty pedestrian day on offense. Um, and, you know, it's – and still, even with the offensive struggles on Saturday, that's not the unit that cost them the game. I mean, sure. they were still in the game. Uh, the offense technically did enough to keep them in it. But what really was uh, the undoing on Saturday was special teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, K-State's first defensive drive of the game, the first possession of the game, TCU goes three and out. They punt it, and what happens? Zuber muffs it, and that leads to a short field for TCU and uh, eventually a touchdown. Now, granted, they still had to go 43 yards even after the muff, but still. Uh, and then later in the game... Uh, on the first drive of the second half, actually. Uh, K-State has it fourth and three at TCU's 35. And in a 7-7 to ball game, K-State decides to punt. Uh, fourth and three on the 35-yard line. We decide to punt. And what happens? The ball bombs out of the end zone. And um, K-State nets 15 yards. Mm-hmm. A field position there. And then finally, you have a missed uh, extra point. Sure. And so that's three things. You don't... If you have three costly special teams plays in one game, it's going to be really hard to not just win the game, but even be in the game. Sure. And so, you know, you saw... Snyder was asked about that after the game. Sure. And he had kind of a weaselly answer, in my opinion, where he pinned the blame vaguely, uh, but implicitly, on one person. Um, and that was Isaiah Zuber. And Zuber does carry... I mean, he should shoulder a lot of that blame because he did muff that punt. But that wasn't the only special teams problem on Saturday. And so, um, you know, I think it's pretty clear that Snyder's just going to bat for Sean. And uh, that just rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, including me. And it's just another chapter in... Bill Snyder being embarrassing at press conferences this year. Yeah, and I that is a, a a topic that's gotten quite a bit of conversation. One thing I would say I do agree with you. I mean, Zuber muffing that punt is it's not it's not good. You know, when you set up uh, TCU right, you know, on the on the fringe of scoring range, that that's a, a tough pill to swallow. But they still had to move the ball thirty five yards. It wasn't like they gave it to him right on the doorstep you know, at the 10-yard line uh, where they could just easily punch it in. But uh, TCU did capitalize on that. And the one thing I do want to mention, you know, it I just don't quite understand why Zuber's back there. If he's in the doghouse to the point where he goes from being, uh, you know, the guy that has been playing the most snaps, been, uh, you know, the most targeted receiver throughout the season to, you know, not really getting any run at all uh you know, with the wide receivers on offense, why even have them out there on uh, to return punts? I think back to, you know, when we had uh, Ty Zimmerman and Tyson, Tyson Hartman, Hartman. Yeah. back there that just their their sole responsibility was to, you know, call for a fair catch, essentially, or catch the ball, you know, run for five, six, seven yards, and, you know, that's it. That's it. So... Uh, you know, if you don't want to have – if Zuber's in the doghouse enough not to play wide receiver, then don't put him back there for special teams. Yeah, you have a good point. And it, and it would – although, God, who do you put back there? I mean, do we have any sure-handed first? Not to say that catch fielding punts is some Herculean task uh, for – Tougher than it looks, I, <laughs> I guess. But I think part of that is that, you know, when your offense is as bad as K-State's offense has been this year – I mean, ranking 99th in the uh, S&P Plus uh, in offense, 
then maybe you do have to take some chances on special teams and try to get some explosive plays because that has paid off for us a little bit this year, especially, you know, you think back to South Dakota, for instance. And so, yeah, uh, without Isaiah Zuber, uh, K-State's probably only got uh, got two wins instead of three. Yeah. So, yeah. And so I understand kind of rolling the dice, but I would doubt you see him, especially given Snyder's tenor in the post-game press conference, I doubt you see him back there this week, or at least I'd be very surprised if you did. But um, Yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I do uh, want to say, too, I think that um, it just – his uh, Zuber's muffing of the punt, I think, served as a convenient uh, way to, to call him out. I think that there's – I mean, just by judging – you know, you, if you watch the games, especially if you're watch, if you're at the game and you're able to watch, you know, in person and focus on not just what the, the camera's showing you, but uh, focus on Zuber as he's going up and down the sideline, or or you know, just his body language in general. He's got some of the worst body language on the team, and there's obviously things have not been going well for him, uh, you know, on the field here the second part of of the year, and it's been easy to see that he's been frustrated and. And I think uh, coaching staff, especially Coach Snyder's, airing their frustrations now publicly. Yeah, and it, it just sucks that he's that he's struggling like he is in, in his attitude. And I don't know the ins and outs of no, what's sure. going and, on, of course. But, but it's it's obvious to see that there's there's some bit of struggle there. Yeah, and, and I know, especially in the Oklahoma State game, uh, I was listening to that game part of partly on the radio, and Stan and Wyatt were focusing on his body language on the sideline, but he's, it's just horrible for this team because he is probably the offense's second best skill position player mm-hmm. behind Barnes, I would say. Mm-hmm. And the only consistent weapon on the wide receiving core. Mm-hmm. And so K-State, he's in a very important player for K-State. And to have him be... Going through these struggles is is it's a disaster for the team, and um, you know just his lack of playing time on the field on offense uh, is detrimental. And then on special teams, when he's making mental errors like muffing punts, um, it just stacks on itself. And so I don't know, um, but special teams was by far the worst unit on Saturday. It's, it's the worst special teams performance I can remember out of a K-State team probably since I started watching. Um, because you, and kicking, punting, and the return game all made terrible miscues um, on Saturday. And ultimately, those miscues cost us the game. Yep, and uh, you know that's, that, that pretty well wraps up the... That portion of it, I do want to focus a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. Anytime that you're able to hold a team to 14 points in this day and age in college football, got to feel like that's a game you should win. Second game this season, the K-State's defense has held a team to fewer than 20 points mm-hmm. and lost. Mm-hmm. Hey, by the way, Lynch Mom. It's back, baby. It's back. It makes its return. The Jekyll and Hyde defense is back. But I'm a little bit worried. You know, on one game, off one game, on a game again. Is the lynch mob setting up for... Well, you know, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to we'll, that. We've we'll, we'll we'll got to that. keep the listeners listening here yeah. uh, to find out if the lynch mob is truly back. But a pretty darn good uh, display uh, from the defense. Like I said, anytime you hold... Uh, your opponent to 14 points. You feel pretty good about your chances of winning this game. Um, really, a couple big plays. Uh, Jalen Rager, 67-yard touchdown pass or touchdown reception, was the big play that K-State hadn't really given up all day. And uh, you know, TCU, we we had mentioned in in our preview, not not an explosive team really. And uh, that was an explosive play that, that proved to be costly uh, for the K-State defense. But a couple of guys I thought played, uh, you know, really well. Uh, Eli Walker continuing uh, really a strong uh, defensive season for him. Uh, Justin Hughes thought played really well. And I thought Jerron McPherson played well, uh, you know, limiting uh, K-State's, uh, limiting, you know, what TCU did through the air. I'm um, looking here at the stats and uh, – Collins, 218 passing yards. 
completing uh, just over 50% of his passes. So I thought K-State's defense played pretty darn well um, in this game. And, and quite frankly, I think they deserved a little bit better of a fate. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, held them to 14 points after the first drive of the game that was extended because of the muff. They held them to just seven for uh, you know the better part of four quarters. And so uh, you feel for them because that's a unit that's – that just got smoked against Oklahoma. Um, and so the bounce-back performance against TCU, to see that be in vain, uh, is a tragedy. But, uh, you know, when you have an offense that's so limited and uh, a special teams unit that's that killed you on Saturday, uh, that result's not all that surprising. Yeah, and, you know, I, I do wonder what, you know, this this – team has really struggled really throughout the better part of the season. I, I kind of wonder where the where the mental aspect of this team is. It'd be, it'd be certainly easy for, uh, you know, the season hasn't gone the way uh, any fan would want. Uh, of course, the players are, it's, it's ten times worse for them. You kind of wonder where uh, the overall, I guess, mindset of the team is. Uh, but what I one thing I did think is I thought K State fought well, so I think that kind of answers that question. This isn't a team that's given up, and quite frankly, I uh, expect a, a pretty strong effort out of them uh, this Saturday against KU. Yeah, I, I agree. But word on the street is that uh, the team was pretty unimpressed with Snyder's uh, sure. comments after the game, and so uh, you wonder. Yeah, and that's the thing too is it, it doesn't take too much reading into the tea leaves to. To sense that there's some dissension. I mean, there's of course. Well, do you read tea leaves? Yeah, I, I, I could. You want me to teach you? How? Yeah, I've seen you around the apartment. Uh, you know, just staring at staring of teas. <laughs> yeah, just looking at tea leaves. I've yeah. been wondering what you're doing. I, that makes a lot of sense. But. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm well versed. I'll be happy to 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 get a little you hobby. A, yeah, it's a hobby of mine. Yeah, you know, it's one of my one of the many ho- hobbies for the icon. Uh, but. You know, I think it's it's easy to see that, of course, fan, where the fan base is. I mean, if you're on Twitter, if you're on the message boards. The fan base has phoned the season in. Oh, yeah. And they're more focused on when Coach Snyder's going to hang it up and when we're going to get this coaching search started. Yeah. And it, it sucks that that's where we're at, but that's where we're at. You can't blame us. I mean, no. it's a, a 3-6 and six team, so uh, the season isn't salvageable. Really, unless the only thing that can, I mean, this season's a complete failure. I'd say. Yeah, but it goes beyond a complete failure with a loss to KU. Uh yeah, hundred percent agree. Uh, this, I we'll I, get into we'll, yeah, get, into we'll that. get into that a little. We later. gotta we gotta restrain ourselves here. But there, this week is there's something to fight for if this team has any pride, and I I imagine that they do. Um, but uh. I have to think that the team is starting to uh, to turn a little bit on the coaches, um, and they certainly don't have much to hang their hat on uh, in terms of results this season. And so uh, it, it wouldn't shock me. I know the fan base is phoned the season, and it wouldn't shock me if the team says, well, what do I care? Um, sure. And so we'll see how that plays out on Saturday because I think it could be a factor. Yep, absolutely. Um, so we will kind of wrap it up. Is there anything else you want to uh, add about the TCU game? Uh, I forgot to mention uh, on the special teams miscues the uh, botched snap on the field goal. Yep, sure. Uh, it led yeah, to an interception. Yep. Um, that was just uh, another one. Yeah, the botched snap. Um, yeah, when you have the chance to just nod up the game. and Three points in a 13-14 to 14 game is... Uh, Pretty important. Well, exactly. I mean, it's uh, well, it was an extra point, so just one. The the botch snap oh, was oh, a, I thought you on were, a field goal. Yeah. That oh, was, okay. Excuse me. Yeah, the Sorry, extra point was uh, just a bad kick. Uh, yeah, just a bad kick. Okay. Um, and so the, we were watch when I watched it live. Uh, I was watching it at a phone at a reception, and you know, it, it just happened to get grainy at that time. But I did see we missed the extra point. I didn't know if it was bad yeah. snap or just bad kick. So my apologies there. But, you know, that's the thing, too. With K-State's, this will be my last point to make here on the special teams, but K-State has had a very small margin 
when it comes to um, when it comes to winning and losing over the last several years, just due to the fact that this is not an overly talented team. It hasn't been overly talented since probably 2012, and um, it, since that time, any good K State team has excelled in special teams. Yeah. Probably win a couple of games that, you know, we maybe shouldn't each year due to, you know, winning the field position game, um, getting a, a non-offensive touchdown or getting set up right for a, a short field because of the special team. I mean, Pretty good can, kickers, too. Accurate kickers, good in the punting game. There's a lot of things you can point at that have really helped us. And I, I saw a stat, I believe it was uh, John Kurtz and Cole Manbeck that tweeted out about where K-State's defense, or K-State special teams, excuse me, ranks in the nation, and I believe it's 87th uh, from a unit that finished first last year. S&P Plus has them at 93. 93. What Does it say what they had them on there last year as, or does it not go back into previous? Uh, I'm sure I could find out, but, but well, due to sake. Due to time, uh, it was uh, last year, according to uh, uh, you know John Kurtz and Cole Manbeck, uh, this was a special teams unit that finished first in the country. So... It doesn't take much. I mean, a few bounces of the ball, uh, K State could have could have easily won this game, but that's not the way it shook out this day. Yeah, and on special teams, it's it's great to to have the big plays. You know, a nice touchdown return, punt return. Um, but at the very least, it's, it's like the Hippocratic oath: do no harm. Mm-hmm. Just go out there and just if it's better to not be a factor than to. Be a detriment. And it's not hard to not be a factor. Call a fair catch. You're allowed to do that. All you have to do is field the punt and keep make the field goals that you should make, make the extra points, and special teams isn't an issue. Nobody thinks about it. But when you have four big plays on special teams that hurt your team and your other margins are very close, if offense and defense are playing nose-to-nose, then you're going to lose. Yep. And it, it's amazing the game was as close as it was with those four miscues because it's when you when special teams is a factor against you four times in one game, then it's that's usually it's, a couple of possessions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, not to get uh, too mu- too much further than this, but that kind of tells you what kind of team TCU has this year. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it's it, not a not a typical Gary Patterson team and. Unfortunately, K-State was not able to take advantage of, of what is, quite frankly, a not very good TCU team as they drop one uh, 14-13 on the road. Uh, we'll be back after this on the short side option to preview the Sunflower Showdown against the Kansas Jayhawks after this. Yeah, she's hot and she's hot and All right, we are back here on the short side option podcast where K-State will be taking on Kansas Jayhawks, an 11 o'clock kickoff at the Bill this Saturday in a game of, quite frankly, uh, the two worst teams in the Big 12. Yeah, clearly. So uh, it, it kind of, uh, you know, usually we can count on this one as a sure win, but uh, this year it's far from anything uh, far from anything certain in this one. And, you know, when K-State and KU play, you always throw out the records. Oh, absolutely. In a rivalry that's as tense as this and back yeah. and forth, and historical. Yeah, you know, it's one of the oldest rivalries yeah. in the country, actually. Yeah, I know once uh, Nebraska left for the Big Ten, uh, that the KU-Nebraska game was actually the longest-running uh, continuous rivalry game. And what a rivalry game that yeah, was. Yeah, and it was just always back and forth between uh, the Corn Boys and, and the Hawks. But uh, Oh, was that 70-30, to 30, that game in 2007? Oh, yeah. yeah, they laid it on them. Yep. Uh, for, for all the times Dr. Tom laid it on them, but... Um, yeah, so let's let's take a look here at the, this KU team. It's a KU team that you know their record not going to scare anyone. Uh, you know, at at uh, you know only one conference win here, uh, of course against the Frogs uh, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, but when you look at KU, it's a team that I think has shown some improvement this year. Uh, they have some playmakers. There's no question about that. Uh, what do you see with uh, with this year's KU team? You know. They're bad. They're they're really really bad again. Uh, I know that. I hesitate to say that they even got off to a hot start because they did lose to Nichols at home. Uh, but then you know over the next couple weeks they 
smoke Central Michigan and then smoke Rutgers. Yeah. But and you started seeing people give KU a little juice, but those games were turnover. I mean, those games were just products of turnovers, yep. and they were against yep. bad teams. And so I was let's pump the brakes on proclaiming uh, KU as the you know some juggernaut. Well, but, I don't think anyone's really saying that. Not a, not a juggernaut, but but people saying, oh, this K, watch out for this KU team because they're turning a corner here. Yeah, well, they they sure. haven't. Yeah, they haven't. The S and P has them as the 115th team in the country. Their offense is at 117. Their defense is at 102. And so it's it's another horrible team. KU is a bad team. They they beat TCU in a game that. They had no right to win. I mean, statistically, it was, again, crazy turnover luck that happens sometimes. But that's just an outlier. And KU's been lucky this year. And I, when I say lucky, I mean actually lucky. Because you can't expect you know turnovers like this to occur in a given game. But they've, they've been a bad team. I mean, they got smoked against a mediocre... Oklahoma State team. They got smoked against Baylor. Uh, and, yes, they eked it out against TCU, but that's another game that you shouldn't put too much stock in. And so it's just, I don't know. I've been extremely unimpressed with KU. Um, I think that they're as bad as they've ever been. Now, you're right. They do have playmakers on their yeah. team. Specifically, it's easy to point to Wise on defense. Sure. Um, who's a good player. Yep. And Google Williams on offense. Deenan on Deneen. Deneen. And Deneen's a good player, too. Mm-hmm. But they've had a handful of good pieces over the years. And it takes a lot more than three oh, good sure, players sure. to put together a legitimate uh, team in the Big 12. And so, uh, I don't know. I'm After looking at, at them statistically and reviewing what's actually gone on, with KU this season, I'm I'm really not very impressed. Well, in you know, one thing I do want to mention is there they do have some playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. Puka Williams, as we uh, as we mentioned, the much ballyhooed uh, running back recruit out of Louisiana. Yeah, very ballyhooed. And uh, but they also they have a uh, another capable running back in Khalil Herbert, uh, Stephen Sims Jr., pretty solid wide receiver. So offensively, when you look at this team. I don't think you can look at me straight in the face and say that they don't have better players at the skill positions in K-State. Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I would still probably take Barnes. I, I'd probably take our running back stable over theirs. I would I think Zuber is probably a better receiver than, uh, than anybody they have, including Sims. And I think... I think our quarterbacks are better by default because Peyton Bender, um, he's he's bad. Yeah, uh, you know, Bender, he's got 10 touchdowns to two interceptions, but only a 55% completion percentage. Um, they don't they don't really ask him to, to do a whole lot. They do, though. That's their problem, is that he's throwing the ball 40 times a game. Yeah, well, and I'm talking, they're not, he's not completing anything at a, at a high percentage. Right, no, I mean... But they, it seemed to me that it would be better for KU uh, to really lean on their running backs, particularly more in this game, and, and and try to make their hay on the ground. Well, yeah, you would think so. But they actually pass more than a lot of teams do. And they pass far more than they should, if you ask me. But uh, Puka Williams, you know... Like you said, much ballyhooed. He's got a lot of praise this year. Oh, the Puka Bazooka. You know the last time he had 100 yards on the ground this season? I have, I don't, but I have a feeling you might tell me. I will. It was okay. Rutgers. Oh. He hasn't had 100 yards right. in conference yet. And so, and he, he's really not even getting that many carries. I mean, for the last two games. They, they do use him a little bit more as a scat back, moving him out. I know his big touchdown against, uh, against TCU to, to win that game for KU. Uh, you know, he split out wide, and they, they, they ran a little, uh, you know, short stuff to him, and he was able to make a couple guys miss and take it the distance. Yeah, but against Iowa State, he ran 17 for 58 yards. So, I don't know. They And meanwhile, they have Peyton Bender throwing the ball 41 times and completing it 19 times. And so it's like, you know, for 
Beatty, who's supposed to be an offensive coach, I mean, he fired his offensive coordinator, took over the reins, calling the plays. Uh, he's doing a terrible job. I mean, this is a this is one of the worst offenses in the country. And like you said, they have some good pieces. They do. Um, but they've never been able to decide on a quarterback. The, I don't know what year in a row this is where KU's uh, trying to determine a quarterback. Then again, uh, K-State doesn't have a whole lot of room to talk there because ever since really 2014, K-State's quarterback picture hasn't exactly been uh, the picture of clarity. But... Um, for KU, their their offense is a complete disaster. Despite them having uh, some pieces uh, that you would think could make for a fairly explosive unit. Yeah, for the life of me, I don't quite understand why Carter Stanley um, isn't playing at quarterback. Um, for for my for my money, he brought a, a little bit of a spark to KU. Of course, uh, back in 2016, when they were able to upset Texas, he engineered that. And uh, last year against K-State, thought he played pretty darn well in a game that KU was in in the fourth quarter. He threw for over 400 yards against K-State last year. Yeah, exactly. And to me, I don't quite understand the fascination with Peyton Bender. Uh, You know, when you look at the numbers, 10 touchdowns and 2 interceptions looks okay. Uh, But then you just peer over there at the 55% completion percentage and say... Uh, you know, why is he throwing the ball this much? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Peyton Bender, as I mentioned, they've, they're relying on him to do a lot. They're throwing the ball, I think, f- roughly 45% of the time, which is uh, quite a bit. And uh, 125 for 225, like you mentioned, 55%. That's, that's not going to get it done, especially when your yards per completion uh, is uh, just over 10 uh, meanwhile, Carter Stanley in his limited action this year has uh, a 72% completion rate. And so uh, for a team that's that just can't really do much throwing the, ball, throwing the football or, or have a very high completion rate at least, uh, you'd think that they would rely on their, their running backs more, who are, who are at least a little more uh, explosive, but... Haven't been able to do that. Now, granted, they, their running game hasn't been good, uh, at least in the last few weeks, but their offense or their passing certainly hasn't been either. Well, switching kind of uh, gears here to the uh, to the defensive side of the ball, we won't sugarcoat it too much. Not a great unit. Uh, what, uh, what do the numbers say about uh, the KU defense? Well, um, this is going to be kind of an interesting matchup uh, because, and, and frankly, both of these – uh, both parts of the – when either team has the ball, it's going to be kind of an interesting matchup. And should give K-State fans a little bit of pause because uh, K's defense is, like you mentioned, pretty poor. They're 102nd in the country uh, as a unit. But against the running uh, game, uh, they're 61st in the country. Now passing, they're 113th. Um, I don't – with the way with the way K State passes the ball, I don't think that's uh... yeah exactly. And so it's it's a matchup that is a little concerning because uh, K State would obviously prefer to lean on the running game, especially uh, if Delton is indeed the quarterback. Which, uh, if last week is any indication, and the rumor mill this week uh, points to the same, he will be the the quarterback on Saturday. And so you would like. You would expect at least to see K-State running the ball somewhere north of uh, 45 times on Saturday, mm-hmm. probably inching towards 50. Uh, but uh, KU's running defense, it's actually mediocre, um, which is uh, the best uh, you could say about uh, about any unit this on the field this Saturday. And so... Um, Running the ball isn't going to be a gimme against the Jayhawks. Now, passing, you know... Make him come a little bit easier, provided, yeah. provided, you know, we can get open. So don't be surprised if you see K-State come out and try to sling the ball uh, more than usual on Saturday because that's the KU's defense uh, weak point, even despite uh, Wise back there being a legitimate talent. Sure. So 
We've kind of looked at a little bit of both sides here. Is there a certain matchup, uh, individual matchup, that you're looking uh, for that might really kind of swing this game? The one that I'm looking for is Wise against uh, this K-State offensive line. Yeah, especially if K-State does kind of what I expect them to and throw more than you would expect us to throw. Um, But, you know, K-State quarterbacks have had such a hard time this year avoiding the pass rush. Um especially with Thompson when he was in. He he had a tendency to duck out of the pocket a little earlier than was probably necessary a lot of times. But, uh, yeah, if, if we can keep Wise at bay and keep pressure and sacks to a minimum, then I think that that would absolutely favor K-State. A uh, matchup I'm particularly interested in is uh, to see just how Alex Barnes does against Katie's front seven. Because you got Wise, you got Deneen, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, in a unit that that's done okay on the ground this year, and so uh, if K State can impose its will and give Alex Barnes and give him a performance like he had against uh, Baylor and against Iowa State, or I'm sorry, Oklahoma State, then I think K State will be very successful. You know, I want to hit uh, another matchup too, and it's it, it's two safeties uh, for both both teams here. Uh, Mike Lee for KU, uh, definitely a hard-hitting headhunter out there at the safety position, but K-State has one of those, too, with Eli Walker. I uh, think that you know fans that are watching this game on Saturday can expect, expect some explosive hits out of those two. Yeah, well, and especially because I think what's going to happen on Saturday is it's going to be a, a game that looks pretty similar to TCU in terms of two uh, offenses that are um, – Pretty inept, and so uh, I would expect turnovers to be uh, very important on Saturday because I doubt there's going to be that many possessions. And so if, if one of those guys, if uh, Lee or Walker, can come up with a big play, maybe pop a ball loose, then that could be the difference. Well, we've we've got a pretty thorough cover here. Uh, what do we think here? K State uh, enters this game as about a ten and a half point favorite. Uh, based upon based upon what I'm seeing here on ESPN, what do we think? Uh, what do we think the score is going to be on Saturday? I think it's going to be pretty low, uh, low scoring game. But I do think uh, K State is the better team. The numbers certainly say so. Even uh, if I do think that it's a kind of a favorable matchup for KU on both sides of the ball, uh, but uh, I do expect K State to win. I don't expect K State to cover the ten and a half number. Uh, I think K-State wins this one 24-17. 24-17, so uh, coming in just under the number, yeah. 45, uh, for the over-under there, uh, for those keeping track at home. Uh, so what your score is 24-17 Kansas State. That's right. Okay. So I will go ahead and pick Kansas State as well in this game. Uh, I am also see it as a low-scoring game, and I see K-State winning this one 21-20. On a last-second field goal by Blake Lynch. Oh, that would be great, wouldn't it? He's had a he had a rough game last week. Well, he's been he's been sidelined for yeah. for for a lot of uh, the second half of the season, so to speak. And it would be nice to to see him get back on the right side of things and and uh, get K State a win. It's going to be a game that's going to be low scoring. Uh, I I do agree, and I I think it's I think both defenses uh, kind of are buoyed here a little bit by the ineptness on the offensive side of the ball. So I like uh, I like K-State in this one, uh, albeit a close one. I think this is going to come down to the wire. Absolutely. Well, and the X factor in this game is, of course, the uh, one thing I'm particularly interested in is the uh, conference road losing streak for KU. So what what's that at now? It, I don't know what the number is right now. The raw number. I know the last time they won was uh, October fourth of two thousand and eight, back when uh, George W. Bush was president. Uh, they haven't won a conference road game in over ten years. Wow! And um, yeah, this is as good a chance as they've had in a long time, um, and uh, they are. Double-digit underdogs. So, uh, I really hope K-State wins on Saturday because that's a remarkable streak. Uh, all Just their 
raw road losing streak uh, that ended this year at Central Michigan. That was a wonder. But the conference road losing streak is still uh, in play. It still exists. It's still counting up, uh, you know, four or five more a season since 2008. And uh, we'll see if the Jayhawks road struggles continue on Saturday. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, We're both picking K-State wins, uh, all picking K-State wins in close games, too. So we'll see uh, if our uh, predictions come to fruition here. But uh, we're we're both on the side of the Cats here, and uh, that'll do it for the KU preview portion of this edition of the Short Side Option. We'll be back after this to highlight a Wildcat legend and answer your questions in this week's Ask the Icon after this. Me and my best friend, 7-Eleven, legend, legend. Welcome back to the short side option, where we are getting into our segment we like to call This Week's Wildcat Legend. An icon this week's Wildcat Legend is a quarterback. Oh, yes. He, he has a victory over Kansas. Okay, that, that, can, that narrows it down a little bit. He played in the Ron Prince uniforms with a little band-aid stripe. Mm-hmm. He was a grad transfer, born in, or played high school football in Athens, Ohio. He is, of course, you know? Of course. It's Grant Gregory. And the mystery man himself, the question mark tattoo, it's Grant Gregory, baby. And Grant Gregory, what a wildcat legend he was. Uh, He put together, quite frankly, a legendary performance in 2009, uh, where he completed... 100 of 175 passes, um, had four passing touchdowns, four interceptions, uh, but threw for 1,096 yards and added 308 more on the ground that season, including a 58-yard rushing performance against Tennessee Tech and a 239-yard passing performance uh, against Missouri that year. And so a legendary player, um, he was a grad transfer, of course, came to K-State for one year, and uh, really put together quite a show for uh, the Wildcats. He certainly did, and he um, he took over, I remember, uh, for Carson Kaufman. I want to say his first game was that memorable Farmageddon game, where he really uh, got the start in that one. Kind of uh, stole the show. He did. He stole the show. Well, you know, you, sometimes you do have to let a newcomer come in and steal the show. That's and, right. And that was, uh, that was a prime example of that, but... Uh, you know, he was a guy that waited his turn behind Matt Grothy. Uh, that's a name that, if you're uh, familiar with that, uh, 2007 South Florida team. And who isn't? Yeah, of course. That was a crazy football season. You had a, a top five at one point of that included, or well, I shouldn't say top five, but a top ten and teams that were still in the running here uh, to get into uh, the BCS picture at that time of uh, Boston College, uh, USF. Rutgers and Kansas. Uh, those now Boston College is having a good year this year, but uh, USF, not, not what you call football powers. Exactly, not a murderer's not, row. Not of. the uh, not the traditional uh, names that you see there with you know Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson now of course, and Oklahoma to name a few. But uh, he was a guy who you know kind of got some mop up duty behind Grothy. Uh, was pretty well hand delivered uh, to K State by Jim Levitt. Uh, saying, hey, uh, Grant, you're probably not going to get on the field much here at USF, but uh, I know a guy that could use some extra quarterback depth, and, and you might get a chance to, to get a job there. And uh, that's what he did. He uh, took over uh, as the starter, um, kind of at the start of conference play, and uh, you know that was a, a 2009 K-State team that uh, didn't make it to the make it to a bowl game, as, as it doesn't look like we're going to this year. Uh, the first time since uh, you know that that K State hasn't been in in a, in a bowl game, but um, really when you look at it, a guy that uh, waited his turn uh, and transferred universities and and gave K State a nice spark as you know as Walt well, like I, I said K State didn't make it to a bowl game that season. Uh, up until the last game of the season, though, they were competing for a conference title uh, with uh, going on the road to Nebraska. Had K State won that game in Lincoln, they would have won the North and. Uh, would have been one upset away from going to a BCS bowl game. Yeah, that fumble by Keith and Valentine on the goal line. That that really that was a tough pill to swallow. But, you know, he also led the charge in a really, I think, an underrated 
uh, game in K-State lore. And I think it's because 2009 um, was a year that, like you mentioned, K-State did fail to make a bowl game. Kind of a forgettable season, not that different from the one we're having. But that 2009 game against KU, uh, that is one of my favorite uh, K-State games. It's probably in my top ten. It's definitely in my top ten of all time. Uh, Just because, finally, you know, we got drubbed in 08. Lost a a rough one in 07. Lost a rough one in 07, got drubbed in 06. We are on a five-game losing streak to the Jayhawks. And, uh, you know, 2009, KU was in the midst of a losing streak in their own right uh, at that time. But it was a game that afterwards you could... It finally, it was like, okay, maybe the tides are starting to turn here. Maybe K-State's starting to turn a corner, and maybe KU's starting to turn the other way. And mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's really, I mean, you look at it, uh, K-State got, uh, you know, 2010 was another year of, of rebuilding kind of for but K-State. But a little better. A little bit better, um, you know, more competitive, had some nice wins in, in 2010. And then, obviously, uh, KU fired Mark Mangino after the season. And they still haven't recovered from that. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, I don't know that sunny day, beautiful day, November seventh. It was, and that was a huge game for K State too. I mean, at that point, they control their destiny, um, really for for the Big Twelve North, and and they had to beat KU to get to to be able to have that opportunity uh, to to have a winner take all game against Nebraska, and they were able to do that. Yeah, and and. Gregory uh, certainly did his part in that game. 7 of 16 for 66 yards through the air. Uh, added 51 more yards on the ground on 12 rushing attempts. Uh, I remember in that game, Daniel Thomas just running wild yeah. out of the Wildcat. <laughs> yeah. like, that, was, that, was was. Really, that was really the only thing that we – I mean, that was a low-scoring game too. But Greg Gregory, I mean, that, yeah. that stat line, yeah. you have to hit, take you your hat to you him. You have to – you know, he managed the game. He yeah, did what absolutely. he had to do. And, but, right, Daniel Thomas was uh, – complete monster um but not to take anything away from what Gregory did that day though yeah absolutely anytime you can have your quarterback uh put up about 120 yards of offense that's you take it you take it absolutely um but I don't I don't know if there's anything else to say about Grant Gregory other than um he is this week's wildcat legend All right, we're getting into our final segment uh, on this week's podcast, uh, a segment uh, titled Ask the Icon. Um, Listeners can submit their questions to the short side options, very own uh, Chris the Icon Sork, by uh, tweeting at TSSO underscore podcast uh, or using the hashtag Ask the Icon. Uh, Icon, our first question this week comes from listener Steven at Godlewski22. Uh, Steven asks, if you could go back in time and be the AD, after what season in Snyder 2 would you have him hang it up? Well, uh, that's a, a question that K-State fans have kind of been wondering for a number of years. Is when, when is it going to happen? Is it this year? Certainly all indications seem to point like it, like it could be. Um, but... I think the perfect time for him to step away would have been 2014, uh, at the conclusion of the 2014 season. Um, at K-State, uh, coming... After Jim Moore yelled at him in the... <laughs> well, he couldn't go out after that. I mean, come on now. Uh, but, you know, with K-State uh, returning really a lot of pieces off that 2013 team, which really finished strong towards the end of the season, K-State was set up for a pretty good year coming into 2014, and you knew he wasn't going to leave... Uh, a team like that uh, to somebody else. So 2014, a team that, believe it or not, was in the top 10 for most of the second half of the year. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, when you look back at it, maybe you think, oh, man, this team wasn't all that great. It was kind of a... Well, it was a TCU-Baylor show that year. Yeah, it was the TCU-Baylor show. Oh, you had a down year. Um, but when you look at it, uh, that was a really good K-State team. Had some really talented offensive players. Uh, but I think that would have been the perfect time for him to hang it up. By the way, that was TCU Baylor and K-State at the top of the league. Life comes at you fast, man. Yeah, that's no kidding. I mean, both, of course, TCU's had some 
had some bounces too and had some good years after that, uh, but also had some disappointing years. And Baylor, uh, quite frankly, um, they, you know, in 2014 they had a great year, but since then, uh, 2015 they were good as well. But uh, with the whole uh, situation that's gone on there, they've definitely taken a step back as well. All right, our next question comes from listener Justin Brownlee at Brownlee Justin. He asks a question about the uh, future coaches. He says, let's go to the extremes. What is the best and worst case scenario with top candidate like Brent Venables or Seth Luttrell and the best worst case scenarios for someone like Kleinman? Uh, what do you think, Icon? So he's asking me what I think the best and worst case scenarios are? Yeah, for uh, for somebody like Seth Luttrell or, or Brent versus uh, a more disappointing hire like Kleiman. Yeah, I think I think Justin hits it pretty well on the head there. I think for any K-State fan, I mean, granted, no one really knows exactly who's available and who's not. Uh, but of the names that have been mentioned and of the by just using some deductive reasoning, you, you would think that uh, Seth Luttrell is going to be, he's a hot name uh, from uh, the Conference USA ranks, a guy that's young, energetic guy that I think would do a really good job on the recruiting uh, recruiting trail. But, you know, he's only been a head coach for, I believe this is his third year. So pretty, uh, pretty green. Pretty if, mean if, green. Pretty mean green if, if you catch my drift there. But, uh, you know, a guy that uh, definitely has, has a strong pedigree. Uh, but for me, the number one top of the list, and it's not even close, uh, candidate that I think most K-State fans are in on is Brent Venables, a uh, guy who's, it's funny, you know, he left Oklahoma as a guy that he was looked at almost as, as part of, the, he was looked at as part of the problem of, of the defense. And he goes off to Clemson, has a little bit of a, of a feeling out there, but then gets that defense to be, you know, one of the nation's best year in and year out. Now, dynamic recruiter as well on the trail, uh, has done well here in the Kansas City area, uh, pulling a couple guys out and as well down in Wichita. So a guy that knows the area, of course, played here uh, from Salina originally. So uh, a guy that I think would be on any Wildcats fans, number one. Uh, for, for, I guess, the bottom part of the list, uh, a name that I have don't have that uh, – don't have that high on my list is Chris Kleiman, uh, the head coach at North Dakota State. Of course, with the North Dakota State ties with Gene Taylor, uh, you know many pundits have thought he would be a name. Um, I think a hiring of Chris Kleiman would would prove that uh, you know we got shut down by our by our top candidates, and that Gene Taylor had to go back to to a guy that said that he knew would say yes for a uh, for a uh, promotion, and. I think that would be a really bad hire for K-State. All right. Our next question comes from listener, uh, more like Littrell, with lit in uh, all caps. Uh, Is that something kids are saying these days? Yeah, kids are. Many many kids are saying this. Huh. Um, Interesting. He asks, uh, he says, I think the Governor's Cup is a crappy trophy. What would you rename uh, or like the trophy to look like? Oh, wow. Um, well... It, it's it's just kind of the average. It, it is kind of an average, bland-looking trophy. Uh, I would say I'd like to spice it up a little bit. Uh, hmm. You can't really have like a cowboy hat or anything like that, like the the Red River rivalry has with the um, with the OU uh, Texas game there. But in terms of a um, in terms of a rivalry trophy. Maybe, you know, since the Dylan Sunflower Showdown, you know how the Orange Bowl trophy has oranges inside of it? Yeah. Maybe get some nice sunflowers inside there. Oh, that'd what do you be think, nice. What do you think of that? Uh, maybe a nice shopping cart. Oh, I see what you... Maybe maybe a little basket that you, people take in, you <laughs> yeah. know? If, if, you, if you only just need to pick up a couple, you know, maybe some eggs, some milk, you don't need the whole shopping cart, just a little basket. Yeah, and, or just a, just a regular shopping cart. Yeah, that'd be fun. Not too. a golden shopping cart, just, you know... <laughs> The battle for the shopping cart. That's that, right. That might, you might, we might be on to something there. All right. Uh, next question comes from listener S.L. Keck at S.L. Keck. He asks, uh, this past summer, what were the first three songs that Brutus put on his summer playlist? Well, that's a great question. I'm, I'm not quite sure exactly what Bruce... Um, oh, no, you know. You're the icon, you know. I, I know all. He'll like it. I'm just trying to be modest. But, you know, I think he's probably throwing... I don't know exactly maybe 
uh, first three songs, but I bet it has something to do with the Bruce Spin- uh, Bruce Spin- Springsteen out off of maybe his greatest hits. Excuse me. Oh, they they're probably related, right? Yeah, one Bruce to another, one boss to another. Exactly right. So I'd say maybe uh, Born to Run, Glory Days, Born in the USA. How's that? I like it. Uh, just, just three of the iconic songs from the Boss. By the way, did uh. Were you able to confirm uh, Bruce's Halloween costume last week? You know, there have been pictures floating around of Bruce in a scorpion outfit. <laughs> and uh, people have, many people have liked that. I bet he got a lot of candy. Oh, of course. Oh, hello, Bruce. <laughs> it's a very nice costume. Now, Bruce, what, what exactly are you? Oh, I'm a scorpion. <laughs> I'm a scorpion. So, Watch out, I'll sting you. <laughs> That's right. Bruce the scorpion lover. <laughs> That's right. Uh, excited to see him on the hardwood this Friday. Absolutely. Can't wait for that. Uh, our next question comes from uh, Michael Kelly at Kelly underscore Mick. Uh, what was the rationale behind the, the Icons 10 and 2 season? This is, you know what, this is a mean-spirited question. We, we, we can skip it. Uh, no, we'll, we'll address this. You know, I, uh, I, I'm not immune to any criticism here. And uh, Michael, Michael Motorcycle has a good question there. With, uh, you know, obviously I was wrong. Uh, I'm not afraid to, to admit that. Um, however... When you look at K-State this season, uh, they've gotten handled really in three games. Really thoroughly handled. Mississippi State. Western Virginia. Western Virginia and Oklahoma. So, yeah, obviously 10-2 isn't happening. But um, I thought that that was maybe the best case scenario for K-State this year. and That's certainly not going to happen. Uh, but we'll keep firing, Mike. Michael, uh, don't, you, don't you worry about that. Our next question is... Uh asks uh, about uh, some Friday Night Lights. Uh, Steve Becker at sbecker87 uh, asks what your uh, what your prediction is for the Andale-Scott City matchup this weekend. It's chatter across the state about the uh, Indians and the Beavers. You know, it, it serves as a great um, appetizer to the, the Sunflower Showdown on Saturday. Uh, many people across the state are talking, uh, as you said, about uh, this matchup between the Andale Indians and Scott City Beavers. And uh, D. Luke, quite frankly, I don't think it's going to be close. I think Scott City's going to uh, score early and often on this Andale team. And I think Scott City wins uh, somewhere around the score of 27-17. Uh, mm, closer than the experts think. That's right. All right. Getting on to David Saban at Sabination. He asks, uh, if you had to compare Governor Laura Kelly uh to a head college football coach, past or present, who do you compare it to? Uh, Brian Kelly, because they have the same last name. Mm. Oh, they're related too, I think. Yes, they are. Uh, is he her brother or cousin? I forget. Uncle. Oh, he's her uncle. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, he is. Many people, many people uh, didn't know that actually, but uh, it, it's it's been confirmed. I knew they were related. I didn't. I couldn't remember if it was blood or uh, or not. Is he your country uncle by marriage or? Is he her, uh, one of her parents' actual brother? By marriage. Oh, okay. Uh, Our next question comes from Tyler H. at TH underscore, TH8 underscore, excuse me. He asks, uh, did you watch the Champions Classic, and where would you rank KSU among those four teams? Yeah, I absolutely did. It was great having college basketball back on the tube uh, last night. Uh, You have to look at, uh, (laughs) you have to look at Duke right now and say who's beating them this season. But it's a long season. Um, things happen, but uh, with the amount of talent they have, uh, Cam Reddish, uh, R.J. Barrett, and Zion Williamson, that's uh, pretty, pretty darn nasty uh, team to have to see across from you. But uh, I thought KU looked pretty darn good too. Uh, they've got an embarrassment of riches in terms of depth along the front court. Uh, Michigan State thought that they – I have to give them a lot of credit. Uh, didn't play well in the first half. Missed a ton of free throws. Um, was turning the ball over. But they made that game competitive in the second half. Uh, and uh, if you had, were holding a KU ticket at five and a half, um, thoughts and prayers there. But I would say that uh, Kentucky was just completely outclassed uh, from the word go against Duke. Uh, I would have to say K-State, uh, if, if you threw them in that, I think uh, Duke, number one, uh, I think uh, KU's probably two. I think, uh, based upon my opinion, I would put K-State ahead of Michigan State as, in, as well as Kentucky. 
So behind the winners, ahead of the losers. That's right. Uh, he also asks if uh, if we beat Iowa State and KU, uh, does K State get a bowl invite at five and seven? You know that's a really good question, and it's certainly a possibility. It, it it's a little tough to answer at this point, just because we don't really have a great idea of how the rest of the of, of the teams are, excuse me, are going to be in terms of where they're going to finish at if if they get to that six wins. Uh, but it's not uncommon here in the last couple of years with the uh, with the number of bowl games that you see five and seven teams get uh, an invitation in an invite to a bowl game. Um, I would say that K State would be at the front of the line uh, for those games, and not necessarily due to their performance. It's not anything to do with you know name, anything to do with um, you know performance necessarily throughout the season. It's really all due to your APR score, which is a, a ranking system, and I, I don't know all the ins and outs of it. Um, graduation gra- rates. Of graduations uh, rates and, and how you're doing on the academic side of things, which K-State does do well. Does do well. So they would be uh, towards the front of the line of the five and seven teams. I, I would have no doubt about that. So still something to play for if K-State can win on Saturday. Uh, next question comes from listener Brett Henning at Brett W. Henning. He asks, who are some of your favorite commentators calling football games right now? He include he includes college and pro. Um, pro, I really like what Tony Romo brings to a broadcast, his enthusiasm. Of course, of course, I'm a huge Dallas Cowboys fan, so I, uh, I, I'm a big fan of Romo. Uh, I also really like Joe Buck. I know that's Kind of uncommon, but I think Joe Buck and Troy Aikman do a great job calling a game. Uh, one more in the in the uh, in the pro game that I think is uh, often um, underlooked is Ian Eagle. I think he does a very good job for CBS, and he's definitely one of my uh, favorite commentators for, for on the pro side. Um, for the college sides, my favorite is uh, none other than uh, my man Sean McDonough. I think he does a great job. I know he. I didn't think he was a very good fit on the on the Monday Night Football uh, broadcast. So I'm glad he's back in the college game. Um, for an analyst, I really like his partner Chris Spielman. I think he does a really good job as well. Or that was his former partner. Excuse me. He's moved over to Fox now. Uh, but I like Joel Klatt. Joel Klatt, I think, does a really good job for Fox. And Joel Klatt's big time emo too. He's, yeah, he's usually pretty. He had some. He had some. Uh, he had some criticism though uh, against Oklahoma. Uh, tough, well, to, yeah. t- tough to imagine why after that them. performance. Yeah. But uh, no, I think Joel Klatt does a very good job. I'm not a fan, though, however, of Chris Fowler in the booth. I don't think he does. A, I think he was perfect as a college uh, game day host. But when it comes to call and play by play, I think he leaves a lot to be desired. Stick to tennis, Chris. And he's very good at tennis. And, yeah, and as, a, as a tennis fan, uh, I, I enjoy his calls uh, at all the majors. All right. And finally, our last question comes from listener Waffles. He asks, outside of Risner, does K-State have a player who could start on KU? Yeah, I, I think they do. Um, All right, ask an answer. I, I think they do, and I'll, I'll, I'll go through. I'm not going to go through every single one uh, because KU does have some talent, especially at uh, the skill positions. <sighs> Shoot, I would have to put – I'd have to put Puka Williams right on even on even playing field with Alex Barnes. I would say Puka. I would probably think Puka Williams is actually a little bit better than Alex Barnes. I think he's a little bit more explosive, and that's what I like to see in a running back. Um, however, Barnes is more than capable, so I don't think there's a huge difference there. Uh, I but, don't know if Puka could carry the workload. Oh no, Barnes. no, he he could. They're different. They're different kinds of yeah. running backs for sure. There's no. That's kind of where that comparison gets a little little tricky. Uh, but up and down, I think the offensive line is. I think it's pretty well a wash. I. I don't see a whole lot of difference there. Uh, offensive line hasn't been a strong unit for K-State this year. You would think France, though, right? Yeah, I would say France would, would start um, over um, – let me see here. France is the left tackle for KU. Uh, Hakeem Adenijai. Oh, yeah, household name. Household name. Yeah, France, I think, grades out well. Um, but Holtorf uh, – he hasn't played well this center. I don't think you'd, there's a whole lot of difference between the rest, uh, of, the the rest, of, the rest of the three on the offensive line. Uh, moving over to the defensive side of the ball, I think Mike Lee and Eli Walker are two kind of uh, – it's fun to kind of compare those two players uh, just because of both their hard-hitting styles. 
but I like K-State's defense uh, a little bit better. Um, of course, with Duke Shelley being out now, I think Duke Shelley would start on KU's team. Uh, so overall, I think K-State's a little bit better in the defensive backfield uh, than KU. Um, take who you want between Mike Lee and um, and Eli Walker. But the, the point of the question, I think, uh, is that KU and K-State, and even Coach Snyder admitted this as much in his Tuesday press conference, the, tal- or the, uh, the gap between the two programs has shrinked here in the last couple of years. And uh, to even ask that question, I think, illustrates that pretty well. Yeah, I think the gap shrinking is probably a product of uh, K-State's talent level over the last... Well, and, and when you look at the recruiting rankings, I mean, take those yeah, for what... Yeah, it's about what you'd expect. For what they're, they're classes that continually grade out at the bottom of the Big 12, and, and in terms of national ranking, uh, there's not a whole lot of separation between the two. So, uh, well, d is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, no, there's not. Let's uh, go out and get a W this Saturday. Well, uh, that'll, that'll do it here for us here on this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. We'll be back uh, next week to review... Uh, the K-State game against uh, the KU Jayhawks and hopefully uh, coming off a win there in that one. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, We'll also get you ready for Senior Day as K-State will take on uh, the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Uh, Hopefully talk a little bit of basketball next week uh, in the short side option. Uh, But that'll do it here for us this week on the short side option. Thanks for listening and go Cats. Go Cats!